Emmanuel. If God is with you, who can be against you? If God is with us, who can be against us? If God is with our nation, who can be against her? You may have your seat in Jesus' name. You are welcome to the presence of God at the Synagogue Church of All Nations. Prophet T.B. Joshua says, as Christians, in Christ we live. In Christ we move. In Christ we have our being. That is our dominion. Did you hear what I said? In Christ we live. In Christ we move. In Christ we have our being. That is our dominion. We are not given a powerless authority. When Jesus Christ said, Behold, I give you power, it was not a powerless authority. He was rather telling us that both his being and his government are incontestable. His power and his majesty are enough to support his authority. And when God is with you, when God is for you, when God is on your side, nothing can stop you reaching your goal. However, there are some of us who once had this bold spirit but today feel timid and shy. There are some of us who once felt so close to God, but now feel distant and far. There are some of us who are wrestling with doubt and the extreme disappointment which comes as a result of failure, which comes as a result of loss, which comes as a result of setback and disappointment. Some are wrestling with stealing sicknesses, with cares and lures, with heavy burdens, and it has caused them to question their sonship and their legitimacy as a child of God. If this sounds like you, I have a word for you today from my mentor, Prophet T.B. Joshua, that will drive you back to take your place in the believer's authority and reclaim your dominion in Christ. Viewers all over the world, as you join us for today's message to recapture your dominion in Christ, get ready for that situation, that sickness, that problem, that covenant of satanic bondage and character to break in the name of Jesus Christ. My name is Edward. I'm originally from the United Kingdom. And it is my undeserved privilege to be mentored by Prophet T.B. Joshua as an evangelist in training. I thank God Almighty for his love, his patience, and his kindness towards me. Now, as someone in training, I know that the road to destiny is not always smooth. In fact, the prophet often, often compares the life of faith to that of mountain climbing. And you know, the higher up a mountain you get, the more tired you get, the more steeper it gets, the more difficult it becomes. But the interesting thing about faith life is 
The more higher you climb, the stronger your faith gets. Whatever mess you pass through in the life of faith soon becomes your message. Whatever test you pass through in the life of faith soon becomes your testimony. And whatever you have to suffer in the life of faith soon becomes your success story. As a result of receiving this message we are going to give you today, in the midst of your heart, your mess is about to turn into your message. Your test is about to become your testimony. And your suffering in the past many years is not lost. It is about to become your success story. So begin to smile like a faith man. Begin to smile like a faith woman. It is time to overcome. Now at this point... Before we get into the title of the message, I want to tell you a little story. Are you ready to hear it? It was about when I was very small, about five or six years old. And in my primary school, at the end of each year, we had a competition, like a sports competition. And the event they picked me for was the egg and spoon race. Does anyone know the egg and spoon race? Did some of you also do it? Let me see your hands when you were small. Viewers all over the world, I can't see your hands. So I was picked to do the egg and spoon race, and I'd never heard of it before. So there I was, trembling with my spoon. And the teacher came and gave me an egg. And my first thought was, on the first step, the egg will fall, break all over the floor, and I will have lost. But of course, in the egg and spoon race, you don't give children an uncooked or raw egg, do you? What do you do to the egg? You hard boil it, because you know they will drop it. So there I was, spoon, egg, that was my entire focus. I heard the teacher counting. Three, two, one, and the egg fell on the floor. Incredibly embarrassed and going bright pink, I bent down, picked up the egg, put it back on the spoon, and started trying to take another step. Before you know it, it's gone again. Another one, take it, another step, it's gone again, left and right. And while the other children were also making mistakes, they were not making them as badly as I was. The other children would drop the egg, watch it roll a bit, pick it up and go on again, very cleverly. But I would stop, pick up the egg and make sure it was balanced on the spoon before I started moving. And ultimately, I lost the race completely. I came last. <laughs> But I learned a lesson in it. The lesson was this. If you spend all your time worrying about where you are, about what you are doing, about how you are feeling, and how others are treating you, you may never get to your destination. 
God Almighty has an amazing purpose and destiny for each and every one of you. No one hearing my voice today is an accident, just came about by chance, but rather it was the promise of God to give birth to you. You are a promise carrier. You are a destined king, a destined ruler, a destined leader in one field or the other. But many of our destined people, instead of achieving and reaching the destiny God Almighty has for them, they begin to live as common people, common men, because they do not allow the Word of God to dominate their hearts. They do not allow the Word of God to prevail over the sense evidences, over how they feel, over how they're doing and how they're treated. And this life we live is not about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. And one thing I want to remind you of, which maybe in the midst of life's storms and ups and downs, you might have forgotten. Eternal life is the sole end and purpose of all our activities here on earth. Eternal life is the sole end and purpose of all our activities here on earth. Our being here is like going to a supermarket. I'm sure most everyone here has been to a supermarket this week. How long did you stay there? A minute? An hour? I hope you didn't spend a day there. But no matter how long you spend in a supermarket, it is not your home. It is not where you belong. As a child of God too, no matter how long you spend on earth, it is not your home. You don't belong here and one day you will return to God and rest in Him. Ask Methuselah in the book of Genesis chapter 5 from verse 27 and he will tell you if you no matter how long you live here one day you will leave here tell your neighbor no matter how long you live here one day you will leave here And when you come back home to God, what account are you going to give of the life you have lived? What account are you going to give of the great destiny God Almighty has given you to fulfill? What account are you going to give of the journey that took you to where you are? Prophet T.B. Joshua says that choice is one of the greatest gifts God has given to us. But it can also be one of the greatest challenges because the Holy Spirit only has the power to choose as God wills. Man has the ability to choose, quite all right, but only the Spirit of God has the power of choice as He wills. And many of us, when we are surrounded by a situation 
must walk through it. When we are found ourselves surrounded with poverty, we suddenly decide, I'm going to walk like poverty. When we are encountered by sickness, we choose to remain in that sickness. When we are confronted with disappointment, we walk in that disappointment instead of walking in God's way. Like a little child, after heavy rain, there'll be puddles in the street. And we decide to jump in every puddle that we can see just because there's a puddle there. But Apostle Paul said that we do not look at what is seen, but what is unseen. That doesn't mean what is seen is not there. That means we don't focus on it. When the winds of the lures and cares of this life howl all about you, do not let your mind be on earthly things. Let your mind rise and set your eyes heavenwards. That will be the title of today's message. Set your eyes heavenwards. Tell your neighbor, set your eyes heavenwards. I can't hear you. Set your eyes heavenwards. And the proof text we're going to take for this shall be from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to start from verse 1 and then jump to our proof text, verse 16 to 18. Are you there? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Set your eyes heavenward. Now when Apostle Paul said we should not f look at the things which are seen but the things which are unseen, he was giving you and I a road map of how to set our eyes heavenwards. Too many times Instead of walking by faith as Christians, we walk by sight. We walk by sight when we give all our attention to the physical and to the natural. And a believer who walks in the natural is no match for Satan. Satan is very clever, very subtle in using even the slightest opportunity 
to divert our attention and cause us to lose temper when we are supposed to be more focused on our divine course. And the great instrument the devil uses to make believers question their sonship are outward wants, burdens and afflictions. The devil uses the instrument of offense, of bearing grudges in our hearts to blind us to the reality and trap us to eternal ruin. Set your eyes heavenwards. In the scripture we have just read, the only antidote against the poison of sin, the poison of the senses, is to walk in the Spirit in Christ Jesus. How do we do that? But by faith. Faith is not demanding the possible. Faith is demanding the impossible. Faith sees what others cannot. Therefore, faith is not a product of the reasoning faculties, but of the recreated spirit. Faith is of man's heart. That is where the battle lies. Whatever you permit to dominate your heart influences your conduct and behavior. If you permit offense to dwell in your heart, that offense will begin to influence your conduct and behavior. It will produce the fruits of sin, anger, hatred, jealousy, bitterness, and so on and so forth. If, however, you choose to allow the Word of God to dominate your heart, then you become a channel of forgiveness where there is sin. You become a channel of love where there is hatred. You become a channel of pardon where there is injury, of shining light where there is darkness. What are you permitting in the midst of your heart? Faith comes when the Word of God prevails over sense evidences and thought processes. Tell your neighbor, faith comes when the Word of God prevails over sense evidences and thought processes. Sense evidences are what we can see, what we can hear, what others tell us, what we can read on newspapers, on articles, on magazines, on websites, and what our circumstances look like. Faith comes when the Word of God prevails over all these things. What do I mean by prevails? Let's go to an example. In the book of John, chapter 11, from verse 41 to 42. This is the example of our Lord Jesus Christ when he went to the graveside of Lazarus. 
John chapter 11, from verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful story, a very faith-building story, and an example of how Christians can express a higher level of faith in God when we allow the Word of God to prevail over sense evidences. In this passage, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, was not operating in the natural. He was not operating by sight. Even though verse 35 says Jesus wept when he got to the place where he saw many people mourning and in a sad mood. But his weeping was not one of despair, one of frustration or one of loss, but one of empathy, one of sympathy. While others could only see the dead body of Lazarus, Jesus said, well, it's true. On this side of life, I can see the dead body you're looking at. But on the other side of life, I can see the Word of God is working. I can see the power and anointing of God is working. I can see the name of Jesus Christ working in the Spirit. I can see your enemy is defeated. And I can see life. That is why he said, thank you, Father. Jesus was not saying thank you because he saw the dead body. Oh, thank you, Lord, that guy is dead. I've been waiting for this for a long time. No. He was saying thank you because his faith saw what others could not. Jesus Christ chose not to walk in self-pity, not to walk in the doom and gloom around him at the situation, but chose to set his eyes heavenward, to depend on God and on God's opinion alone. And he was able to bring God's power to the scene when he said, Lazarus, come forth. In the case of Job, though absolute sorrow and loss befell Job, Job chose not to walk in self-pity. He chose to set his eyes heavenward and see that the giver of all he had was still with him. If he had lost everything he had, no problem, because the giver is still with me. I know he can still do it again and again and again. I will lose nothing in doing that which pleases my God. In the case of prophet Elisha, he was surrounded by enemies with seemingly no way out, but he chose not to walk in hopelessness. 
He chose not to walk in despair. He chose to walk in God's way, set his eyes to heaven, and he saw angels unspeakably more numerous and God infinitely more powerful than his enemies and began to rejoice and say, thank you, Lord. I know you have done it. I know you are still able to do it again. These great pillars of faith, heroes and champions of faith, knew that the beauty of our journey is when there is something to test our faith on our way to eternity. They made the right choice to choose to set their eyes heavenward, not to look down at the earth. What are you going through that is testing your faith as a child of God? That should be what makes your journey beautiful. The giant in the life of David the shepherd boy is what made his journey to eternity so beautiful because he overcame by faith. The lion's den in the life of prophet Daniel was what made his journey so beautiful because he overcame by faith. The blazing furnace in the life of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego made their journey beautiful because they overcame by faith. Ask these soldiers of Christ and they will tell you, if there is no warfare, there is no victory. If there is no cup, there is no crown. If there is no disagreement, there is no agreement. If there is no lion's den, there is no throne. If there is no blazing furnace, there is no promotion. If there is no lion's den, there is no honor and recognition. If there is no disagreement and misunderstanding, there will be no agreement and understanding. If if there is no meditation, there will be no revelation. Ask Prophet T.B. Joshua, and he would tell you, if there is no rejection, there will be no direction from God. What is that thing that is shaking your faith today and causing you to question your sonship and your legitimacy as a child of God. That should be the reason for you to set your eyes heavenward the more and depend on God. Where Satan is catching many of us out is that we believe there are some things we can do for ourselves, things we don't need God for, and that is pride. How many of us believe that we needed God to get our seat in the church this morning? How many of us believed we needed God to take a shower before coming to church? How many of us believed we needed God to write in our books this morning or to listen to the message? There are some things we think we can do for ourselves. But rather, faith is manifested in the little things of daily life. We need God 
and to depend on his strength and assistance when the goings are good and when the goings are tough, when the goings are hard and when the goings are easy, when we face crisis and difficult situations and when we face ordinary everyday activity. This should increase our dependence on God. I hope you are with me. Because of these little things in life, too many of us allow our focus to be broken too easily. And broken focus is the real reason men fail. Now I want to give you one more little example before coming to conclusion of this message. The example is a true story. It happened to me when I was in London. I was on a bus. And on that bus, I was the only white British-looking young man. Everyone else in that bus was either of African or Asian persuasion. And suddenly, a few seats in front of me, I was on the downstairs carriage, I heard a man receiving a phone call. Ah, Ojo Bauni. Shoakba, ah, owa, owa. And being my local language, I decided to listen to him. Ah, Mofeso on call, Emabinu. Oh, And in my heart, I said to myself, And now said in a loud whisper Ogmeni Shomope ilo ibolo wa ko sore o to ba ti gbo nkan ten so ma mu ibai o ma so be mo to translate a little of what he said was saying that I find it so tough in this country that I'm in, the people don't treat me nicely. He was complaining of how he was treated, of how he was feeling, and how he was doing. Never knowing that his countryman was on the bus with him. As the man heard this strange voice from heaven, the phone went down. And all he could see was one white guy in the corner. Ah, Ojo, I'll call you back. The man got off on the next bus stop and looked as if he had seen a ghost. He almost became as white as me. Now, the moral of this story is you should not allow where you are and what you are doing to stop you from getting to your destiny. Yeah. 
The man was on a journey somewhere. He was supposed to get somewhere, but because of the experience he had in life, he was frightened out of his course. He left the bus and did not get to where he was going, giving himself a great setback. Don't let the same thing happen to you today. Set your eyes hemmerwards, not on what's going on around you, not on what's happening to other people, but on what God has to say. Now, coming towards the end of this message, I want to take you to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, from verse 3, to remind you what heaven is in the eyes of a believer. Revelation 21 from verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Do you thirst? He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he will be my son. If you are thirsty for the water of life. Can you rise up on your feet right now and begin to make this declaration of faith? Whatever we speak in faith and act in faith activates the power of God. It is time for you right now to activate the power of God over your life and over your destiny with the words we have just read. Say after me, I am standing. On the roadmap, the Word of God, I am standing steady, living steady, and moving steady in unsteady times. I choose not to break. I choose not to be disappointed. I choose not to be sick. I choose not to give up. I choose God's way. In conclusion, our looking unto God for his promises is the good reason of our looking unto him for mercy, for favor, for our heart's desire, and ultimately for the salvation of our souls. Then there is no room for us to stop looking until God withdraws his word. 
When you face a situation which seems contrary to your desire or expectation, hold on to your confidence in God. What is your confidence? I know where I belong. Not here. Heaven is my home. This is not heaven. So I will not look at my present situation. I will not look at my condition, whether it's good or whether it's not. I will not look at whether there's money on the table or not. I will not look at whether there is food on the table or not. I will not look at whether there's money in the pocket or the bank account or not. I will look to heaven and look happy, look forward to being happy in heaven because the things of earth last just a moment. No matter how unsteady your situation may look like, stay steady. Allow whatever situation you pass through to cause you to depend on God the more. And you will find you have set your eyes heavenwards in Jesus' name. I pray that today will be the day you'll begin to look beyond earthly sorrow and receive the joy of heaven. May God bless his word in your hearts in Jesus' name.